Hey there, this is Leave the Bottle, and I'm Jim. And I'm Randy, and you can find us at leavethebottlepodcast.com. Good morning, or I don't know if it's still morning where you are. Afternoon. Afternoon, okay. Well, I'm still here having a coffee. I don't know what you're drinking. Coffee as well. So there's no bottle. Damn. No, no, no. It, wouldn't, it, would, be, it would be a bottle of water for me anyways. Or, or a Coke in, in a pinch. A cold tea comes in bottles. Oh, uh, no, no. You don't I'm like not cold Southern. tea? You don't like the Arizona thing that... Uh, no, 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 no. I mean... No chai tea? No. I like chai uh, hot tea occasionally, but not cold tea. No, the only... If it's iced tea sweetened with like lots of sugar, I can live with that. But that's bad for you. So a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah, I don't know. The jury's still out on his coffee thing, but what are you going to do? Well, coffee seems to be okay. I think we know that sugar's not a good idea. And as soon as you said lots of sugar, you're scaring me. We have to start looking for somebody else for the podcast. Yeah, I, gotta, actually, I have a fair amount of sugar in my coffee right now. Really? Well, not as much as I used to. I used to be one of those really horrible people that put in seven, eight, nine spoonfuls of sugar. Holy I mean, it was really, holy. yeah, it was just an excuse to have sugar. Coffee was nothing more than an excuse to have sugar. So in this little, um, this little detour, there's an interesting question that you can answer, I'm sure, for yourself anyway. This idea of using artificial sweeteners, you obviously don't. You said sugar. I use sugar usually, but I will use an artificial sweetener. But I think that the people are deluding themselves who are just using nothing but aspartame-based or, or anything, stevia, whatever it is. Because I don't think that's necessarily better for you. Even the plant, you know, stevia's plants, right, supposedly. Yes, Who knows is. what's in there other than that? So you agree with me we have nothing to talk about, I guess. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that, well, we all kid ourselves and we all fool ourselves. And, okay, you know, if I drink that diet soda as opposed to the soda, I'm doing it right. And it's like, well, actually, you're really doing it wrong. Uh, but, you know, we delude ourselves in what we eat and drink. And... You know, with sugar, sugar is the most intoxicating drug that has ever been created, ever. There is nothing more intoxicating. Yes, momentarily, crack or, you know, crystal meth or something like that. But long term, sugar is the when you want to tap that vein and you want to pop it and you want to feel great, it's legal. It's sold widely in so many different forms. And uh, many of us are quite addicted to it. And it's, you know, they put the, the pure sugar cane and they put the pure this and the pure that. Well, it's really pure junk in the end. When all is it, when it's all boiled down to, it's pure junk. And I've cut way back on my sugar intake and I've cut way back on what I do to make my coffee sweeter. Mm -hmm. I've tried desperately to do the non-sugar in coffee and I find... I don't like it, which probably means I shouldn't be drinking coffee then if if I don't like the natural taste of it, or not that so much don't like, but I don't care for as much you the natural to be taste of the coffee. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. And, and the thing is, is we all do that, whether it's putting steak sauce on a steak or right. salt and pepper on food. We all enhance however it is we want to enhance it, but... It's really insidious. I mean, it really, really is when it, when it all comes down to it. And you're right. It isn't just sugar. I was out uh, at a restaurant with some very dear friends of ours. When I first noticed, after all these years, because I've never really looked, I noticed 
that we were eating, a kind of quiche-type, uh, eggy pie-type thing, and it was quite salty. Now, my wife and I, neither one of us, salt at the table, almost never. We put in just enough salt, but I mean, that's us, okay? There are variations. Right. Right. Um, however, in restaurants, so restaurant food is already seems to me often to be very salty. By the way, yes. in the States, it's incredibly salty. And the reason is because people, you know, funny you mentioned steak too. It's the steak eaters are the least discriminating people on earth. I know I'm going to get a lot of <laughs> letters on that, but I mean, it's just, I got to have my steak. And then they, they, you know, they, they don't know what t- steak tastes like because they put so much salt and pepper and sauce on it. Anyway, I'm guilty of the sauce thing too. If I find a sauce I like, I put it on everything and then everything tastes like that sauce, which is great with me. And by the way, to bring it full circle, the sauce often has sugar in it. But anyway, oh, anyway, this guy put like a ton of salt, a ton. I mean, he was just dunk, 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 shaking it on there. And I thought, oh, my God, this is crazy. However, it's his life. And, um, you know, we all do what we got to do. That's, a, yeah, that's our well, lightweight topic for today. Yeah, well, we're going to go into it a little bit more. Well, a whole lot more in the next time when... Uh, right. When when we have a certain guest on who I know quite well. I'm looking uh, forward to that. That will not be quite so light. (laughs) No, but we'll talk. And I think we've got a lot of interesting uh, viewpoints. And I will express viewpoints when I can for anybody who's not there. Like these steak eaters who don't know what they're doing. All right. (laughs) Let's talk uh, ethics. We were going to getting into the slightly heavier thing. Uh, Yes. You wanted to get into that. Let's hear about it. Yes. Yeah, situational ethics. Um, I'm going to start it off with a little anecdote from, gosh, probably just a little bit over 40 years ago. And how to this day, that incident, I think about it quite often. Hmm. I was, I don't know, nine, ten years old, and there used to be this little store that I could go to. And a uh, nice old man who ran a store, and it had the candy and the penny candy, things like that that you don't really see anymore. And he knew where, you know, all the kids in the neighborhood kind of thing. And I'm in there one day, and I probably just got my allowance or something. And so he was off to the side. He was getting me some uh, candy in a bag. And this uh, probably had to be late teens kid was in the store. And... uh he looks at me and he looks at the, the guy and he reaches over and he grabs a couple of candy bars. And um, I'm looking at him like, what are you doing? I just had never the concept, the concept of stealing had never been entered into my mind before. It just was not something I ever thought of, you know, taking something that didn't belong to me. Um, and so the kid does it. And I'm just perplexed. I'm like, why is he doing this? And as he's walking out of the store, I'm thinking, I should be telling the store owner this. But the kid is kind of giving me a look like, you better not say anything. And he's much, much bigger than me. And, um, and so I don't say anything. So the store owner gives me uh, my bag back, gives me my change. And as I'm walking out, I'm like, I'm scared suddenly of the kid because the menacing look he gave me but i'm feeling terrible at the same time because this older man however old he really was he seemed old to me he could have been 30 for all i know he'd always been very kind to me and he always gave me like a little bit extra i'm sure than what i had paid for and uh 
I walked out and I could see the kid like up a ways and he's kind of glaring at me back at me as he's walking away, like making sure that I didn't say anything. And I didn't. And I'm walking home and it was just like the whole way I'm like having a couple of candies and I'm, the candies didn't taste right. They didn't taste right because something had just occurred that I had never been a, a part of before. And I started feeling worse and worse. And I remember just going home and being home and being miserable because it was like, I should have said something. This man was always so nice to me and, and all. And, but I didn't. And so the kid got away with it. Not that it was the crime of the century, but still. It impacted me enough that all these years later, it's like he was no longer in the store when I could have said something. And that's the part that has bothered me for over 40 years. I could have said something with him not being right there where the store owner could have dealt with it. And every, any way he chose to deal with it, you know, that would have been up to him at that point. And um, that became a, a kind of a point for me over, uh, from there on is what do you do in a situation that could that could either be advantageous to you, that could be detrimental to you, or to somebody else that could not actually affect you at all. That situation had no effect on me directly. I didn't own the store. I wasn't the one stealing. But I was an accomplice, sort of. I mean, at 9 or 10 or whatever, I think it was around that age, you can't be that much of an accomplice. But in essentially, I felt, and I still feel to this day, I was kind of an accomplice to that. So I, whenever in my life, when things crop up, I often wonder uh, how people handle similar and dissimilar situations. What do you do? Well, what you don't know is that the guy who stole the stuff about eight hours later got run over by a bus, and he's been dead all those years. So don't worry about it, man. Forget it. It's over. Uh-huh. Karma is a is a mother. Uh, uh, well, I don't know about that part of it being karma, but okay. I'm just, you know, karma in the way I say it, which is not a really a spiritual thing, but just that the cosmos. Right. You know, for the same reason that we think, most people would say, you know, with the number of habitable, or is it inhabitable, habitable planets that have been discovered, even in the last few years, there are hundreds and hundreds of them. Um, you know that somewhere there's life. If you use even that reasoning, then you the cosmos is so vast, the universe is so vast, that certainly, you know, everything and everything is touching at the same time in a certain way. So, you know, that's kind of my thing of karma. It doesn't mean that if I'm mean to somebody at the store early in the day, later in the day, somebody's going to be mean to me. So what can I tell you on that? Anyway, situ- yeah, uh, situations are something. I have been confronted with a lot of times when I'm thinking, I wonder if I should do anything. Nothing horrible, almost, you know, potential for horrible. I was on a train one time, uh, and some smart asses were there, and they, were, they opened the doors, not a, like a metro-type train, a subway-type train, but it was outside, I don't know what you call it, train. It's an inner city train. Not going hugely fast, but enough so you probably kill yourself if you jumped out or fell out. Um, And these guys were screwing around and they opened the doors because you can do that easily on these trains. And I was sitting not too far away and a bunch of other people were. And I was thinking, 
if these guys are going to like grab somebody, what am I going to do? Because it'd be really easy to be thrown out with whoever you're trying to save. And then what point is there in that? So it's a terrible thing, but you got to save yourself. First of all, fortunately, nothing happened. Let me clear that up right now. So you, I'm not a complete coward. It just did nothing happen. Uh, but sometimes you, sometimes we're a little quick to judge. We said this in one of the early podcasts about judging people. Um, and a funny thing happened to my father-in-law many years ago. He was at a, a, a money distributor, an ATM, you call them in the States. And um, somebody, he stepped away from the machine and somebody said, with a knife, came up to him. And he was already in his 50s, maybe 60s. And so the guy said, oh, that's, that's great. Give me all your money, whatever. And uh, he refused and he was not necessarily a well man or strong or anything. And he fought the guy off. Uh, the guy did get the money. He got stabbed in the stomach and was taken to the hospital. But it was in a town small enough where the, the perpetrator got caught. Uh, the point is, you look at that and you go, you know, I'm thinking, I never would have fought somebody off probably. So a guy comes up with a knife and he looks like he's going to use it. Uh, you know, I'm really not anxious to get slashed, go to the hospital, maybe die. He was lucky, too, by the way, because he, he was fine after. Uh, but, I mean, you never know. And plus, boy, painful, uh, you know. Sure, sure. It's just, wow. Um, so that's the, an example of thinking what I would do. And I'm thinking, you know, well, I probably never would. But in fact, my point being, after all this wandering around, my point being that you really never know what you would do. So when I listen to your story, I'm thinking, I don't know what I'd do even as an adult, frankly, it would have to, I would make, it would be more complicated. It always is as an adult because you go, you look at it and you go, all right, how much is this merchandise worth? Uh, what's, what's the effect? Because I mean, if you're talking about 20 cents worth of candy, even if it's like five or $10 today, uh, after all, that's, what's the minimum wage? Not even. So, uh, you know what, right, I'm saying? Right. And I'm, what I'm saying though, is that depending on how much, obviously if someone is destroying a man's business and you're there and you don't do anything, that might be something that, um, I would like to not be involved in what you want to try to help that person. But if it's something that's relatively non-serious, an adult would assess the danger to him or herself first, because why would you want to have your head, you know, your jugular slashed for a pack of cigarettes, for example, or something like that. So there's always that. And the deal is you didn't have that opportunity as a kid to make all these calculations before you decided that it was a big deal. So I hope I'm exonerating you from all this guilt that's been weighing you down, <laughs> stopping you from, from moving on. From moving on, life. yes, I've been stuck in this. Uh, w one thing that always um, completely makes me non-impressed with people is when I hear them brag about, uh, say, getting wrong change back from a cashier. Yeah. Or they went to a store and they bought something and they got home and the product ended up being, usually it's electronics, and it turns out to be something much more grand than what they had actually purchased in the first place. And they're like bragging on it. And it's like, I, I find nothing impressive about that. And as a matter of fact, I kind of look at you like you're an asshole for doing that. Because I know in my years of working in retail and working in restaurants for many, many years, that cashiers typically <clears throat> are responsible for their drawers. 
So if at the end of the shift, yeah. I mean, I was a manager for many years and I would take the, the registers in and, you know, I would do, you know, balance them, you know, get, you know, get the, the receipts and everything else and balance them before mm -hmm. making the bank deposits, you know, and if it's short, you know, if Sally's, uh, drawer is short $10 or $20 the first time or two okay you overlook it <clears throat> to uh, being somebody being a little bit careless you talk to them and say hey you know what yeah you can't keep doing this but then after a while you either started got whacking them where they had you know they have to make up the, the yeah. loss or you have to let them go and that's what I guess to me that's a bigger issue in situational ethics as far as Thinking you got over on when you got over on the man, you didn't really get over on the man. You know, you got over on more than likely some you know, schmuck who maybe they weren't paying attention, or maybe they just made a mistake. Mm -hmm. We all make mistakes in our jobs. Nobody ever goes through life without ever making mistakes in their jobs. And I always, 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 when I get the wrong change back, I always give it back, always without failing. And I don't think it's just because. I did it so long for a living because I even did that when I was younger. Um, but you just, didn't turn in the guy that was shoplifting in that I store. Know. <laughs> Let's get back to no. And and I and I did a little bit of that myself as a teenager. Oh my. Uh, yes, yes, we all yes. did oh, things uh, as teenagers. Oh uh, yeah, I was I was the king of uh, that without because it's terrible. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Yeah, I was the king of the uh, six packs. Ooh. At the store, thing. it was great. Yeah, you just you took the six packs in the uh, in the plastic, you know, the little yeah. plastic ring, to, and if you folded, if you took them from the bottoms and you folded them top to top, so that so it would be like three long parts. Mm -hmm. You could put it down the back of your back in the small of your back, and it you're would, giving you, people ideas here, <laughs> like so, me. I think folks, I'm going to try that, folks. If you're really really thirsty for soda, of course. <laughs> that's how you do it. Um, no, but, but on the change thing, I agree. And I've had, not just the change, but you know, there's an error, of some kind a pricing error. Um, again, that depends yes. on the situation. A lot of times if it's going to be a cashier, yes. If it's the store owner, uh, that's no good, but it depends on a lot of other things. I don't want to get into like the store owner, like you have something against this store. Uh, you know, it's it can be a little more complicated than that. And you maybe sure, think sure. that things are evening out. So the guy shortchanges you the first day, uh, 10 days later, you know, he gives you the wrong shit. Obviously, they're always mitigating circumstances. Yeah, um, I'm not talking I, I, I got about a, cheating. I got one, though, for you. This is probably my best ever because I was inebriated at the time. Um, I was at a bar watching a group. Um, a, a good friend of mine was playing in this group. And I'm sitting at the bar, my wife and I were there, uh, and she left, because it was walking just two blocks away from my house. Uh, she left, and I continued there, and I had uh, several more mojitos. And I probably owed, I can't remember, it was only a few years ago, but I probably had a tab of maybe 50 bucks, possibly, because it was, you know, the two of us plus me. And, um, you know, middle of the set. I was sitting at the bar for a while, and then I got up, uh, I uh, uh, kissed my friend goodbye. It was a woman, just a detail, uh, and uh, left. And then I got two blocks away, I got almost home, and I, th I thought, and I was feeling good, you know, and I thought, wait a minute, I think I didn't pay. <laughs> Dining dash. <laughs> so I walked back, 
and said, you know, this is really funny, but I realized that I left and didn't pay. And they looked at me like, here, here's another drink. You know, while I was paying for the, here's one on us, you know. I mean, it's probably so amazing. You would think that that would be rare. And yet, I guess if you've been drinking, oh, you've got oh. no judgment anyway, you know. So I guess if you want a bragging right type thing, that probably is a, is a nice thing that I can brag about, is that I was kind of wasted. And I thought, wait, I didn't pay. Let me go back. You know, that's that's not bad. I'm happy. I, I just realized that's a cool thing. I think that everybody should spend like a week at Denny's, one of those places, the overnight places, and just hang out like on the overnight thing. What you would experience and what you would see it would often be hilarious, sometimes pretty sad and pathetic, sometimes very amusing. But always interesting because I got to tell you, after almost 25 years of being in that in the restaurant business, the dine and dash, whether it was nine o'clock in the morning, which was very, very rare. But, you know, after nine o'clock at night, <clears throat> sorry, after nine o'clock at night, it became a frequent or a fairly frequent event. If it was a 24 hour place, the, the whole dine and dash thing. And sometimes you could tell when people were getting ready to do it. You could just tell and they're making their trips back and forth to the bathroom and they're eyeing you. And you're like, okay, they're going to try this now. And <laughs> sure enough, I mean, sometimes, and you'd see like this whole party of like six or seven running for the doors. And it's it can be quite amusing. You know, I didn't want to talk too much about news because it's it's a fleeting topic. But right on that topic, there was an article. And I just saw this recently, so I brought it back up. Uh, in Brussels, Belgium, uh, police are investigating the murder of a guy, stabbing murder of a guy who um, did the dine and dash a hundred times in that in that city. Now that's not a small town, by the way. Rest. Oh no, it was in Ghent. I'm sorry. Restaurants in Ghent. G-E-G-H-E-N-T, a medieval university town with gabled fronts and terraces on cobblestones attracts an international and varied clientele. Uh, in the end, we knew his face. I'm just trying to find the one sentence that'll... We are not talking about an aggressive guy. He was just happy and happy-go-lucky about it. In other words, he was, he was <laughs> doing this on purpose, and he had been doing it for years and years, and he was infamous. Oh, it was Ghent. Yeah, I think that's the way it's pronounced. So he could walk into any restaurant of his choosing, order whatever he felt like, and then walked out without paying. And well, somebody said... He was hungry. He was hungry. He was well, thirsty. he was doing it as a sport, which is not really admirable. But the point is, anyway... And we don't know. I mean, this is a story that made a good story for a newspaper. For a newspaper but we don't really know that that's why he got killed either. He was the Olympic gold medalist in the dine-in dash. Totally. Completely. I have one, one one quick story on it. The only time I ever did it, only time, I'm in Kingston, Ontario with some friends for a week, and I had just gotten my very first new car to me ever. It was just a little tiny little Dodge Colt that was barely, it was a lawnmower with a roof, basically. I mean, it was <laughs> tiny. <laughs> it really was. It, was a, it made your Euro cars look huge. Uh, 84 Dodge Colt. This thing had like 1.1 liter engine and it was nothing you know little kids could walk past it faster <laughs> but we would do i was living in syracuse at the time with my ex and we went up for a weekend with a bunch of friends to the thousand islands and so we're in kingston ontario and we're drinking you know much more uh, potent canadian beer and we're getting liquored up 
you know, and it's like two in the afternoon or something like that. It was some ridiculously early hour still. And we're in a pizza place and we're eating and we're drinking and all that stuff. And we put the money together for the bill. I don't know. It was like 25, 30 bucks, whatever it was. And my friends and my ex all leave and go outside. And I'm going up and I'm waiting in line at the register and there's big glass front there. All of a sudden I see them pounding on the glass. And these were some crazy nuts. I mean, they're wonderful people, really. It's not like they're, you know, hardcore criminals or something. And they're pounding on the glass. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I'm like, I got to pay first. No, come on, come on, come on, come on. And so I'm looking at them and I'm looking at the cash register and I'm looking at them and I'm waiting and nobody had come up yet. So I'm like, oh, okay. This is not right, and I know it, but, you know, I'm half liquored up, no excuse. Uh, peer pressure got to me. I'm like 22 years old, and peer pressure got to me. It caused me to make a really bad choice, and a wrong choice, just an ethically wrong choice. So I go out the door, and they're all laughing, you know, half shit-faced, and we're starting to walk down the street, and all of a sudden, a couple of the employees come flying out, mm-hmm. and you didn't pay, you didn't pay, so... The, everybody takes off. So I take off with them. And we're laughing so hard running drunk down the street in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> and they're screaming at us, you didn't pay, you didn't pay. So I'm, I'm laughing so hard that after like a block and a half, and they're still chasing us after like a block <laughs> wow. and a half for, yeah, for 25 bucks or something. And I couldn't run anymore. I was laughing so hard <laughs> that my sides were killing. I said, I stopped. I said, okay, okay, you got me. And everybody else, by this point, it's like another block down the road. And they grab me, and they're pulling me back to the, to the restaurant. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to – you don't have to hold on to me. You don't have to manhandle me at this point. I'm coming with you. My side's killing me from laughing so hard while I'm <laughs> running. So they and they're like, we're not letting you go because you're guys like two big burly guys. You, you'll just run again. I'm like, I can barely walk right now, let alone run. <laughs> <laughs> so they bring me in, and it's like all families, and it's all some tourists and all that stuff. And the mm. whole place stops and looks at me as I'm brought in, and you know, brought up to the dock to be sentenced. And uh, <laughs> your shining hour. And I and I still had the money in my hand. I hadn't even put it into my pocket yet. I still I ran up the street with it in my hand still. And I held it out to him. I said, "Well, here's fit." And they were like threatening to call the police, which brought up issues because we're in Canada. And uh, oh yeah, and I said okay. And so I'm handing it to them, and I look back through the window, and there's my whole little brood of people, and they're laughing hysterically. They had gone across the street, and they're laughing hysterically at me. So I paid, and they told me, get the F out. Don't ever come back in here again, or we'll have you arrested. But I go out, and they're my friends and my ex, they're just about falling on the sidewalk in hysterics. They thought it was really funny. So this is uh, the impression of Americans <laughs> that you left up in Canada. Thank you. I know. That. I said that to them. I said that to them at the time. I know you probably think I'm the ugly American now, and one of the guys is like most of you are. <laughs> nice. Thank you for that excellent ending of the story. Hey, uh, one one very quick thing, and and um, I probably shouldn't even say this because it'll encourage people maybe, but. Uh, we used to go all the time to a restaurant late at night after playing music. We used to go, and in this restaurant, the, and maybe they do this still in Denny's and stuff, where they, they, you know, we were sitting around for hours after eating. So you'd sit there, you'd have your meal, sit there and eat. And then, uh, hey, call the young woman over. Um, how about some dessert? Okay, yeah, I'll have a piece of pie. She, she has to write another check. She doesn't add it to the other check. 
So she write, you get it. So then people mm-hmm. would, and I mean, I never did this, and no one, none of my friends did it either. But people have done it. It's an old trick. So you have that check that's like in those days it was like, you know, one one ninety a dollar ninety. You just had you know seven eight dollars worth of hamburgers and fries and stuff, but you pay the one ninety. It's kind of a chintzy, you know. You know, speaking of situational ethics, um, there's a big difference between what we're talking about, which is kids, you know, screwing around doing what kids do, and it's not funny, right. uh, and someone being uh, going to jail for taking a loaf of bread, the, the classic, right, where everybody in the family is starving and they have absolutely no option, and they just they see food and they grab it. Um, right. And I think that it's a shame that anyone, a real shame, I mean shame, shame, as in people are rich all over an area like the United States, Canada, anywhere, first world, and that anyone is reduced to that. That's that's an ugly, ugly, ugly thing. So all this talk about reducing, you know, killing food stamps. Hey, if 10% or whatever the percentages of people in a program like that are cheating, somehow that doesn't kill me when you know that Nope. Other people who are living on it and need this support. But here we are getting political again. Well, you know, I'm going to get serious for a minute because I've been telling a couple of funny stories, of which has also gone to show me that I'm not quite as ethical as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to get serious for a minute because it goes right along with what you were saying. Like when Hurricane Katrina came along, most of the pictures that we saw of local residents were not showing them taking you know bread and water and you know as foodstuffs they kept showing us over and over the odd person who was taking a tv or who was taking beer mm-hmm. or you know who was taking non-perish you know non-foodstuffs so that became labeled and inevitably most of the time they were black in the in the pictures that were like derogatory of, you know, look at these people, look what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. Well, you didn't show the 99% of the people who at that point were just trying to survive by eating and by drinking who were in situations that none of you mm-hmm. could possibly have imagined in that moment. And, and so I'm going to dovetail that into just I'll make it very quick. I never thought until 2003 that I would do absolutely anything to survive that I would do absolutely anything to ensure the survival of my wife. I mean, I always knew that there was, I would do what I had to do, but it didn't really hit me until we got caught in New York city in the blackout of 2003 coming in off of a train from out West with all of our luggage. Penn station was closed. We were, they kept us outside the train station, brought us in. It's dark. We're the last train in. The National Guard is down inside the station and New York City police take us all out of the train. We've got our luggage. My wife was very sick at that point. Why did they and close the station, by the way? Because, because there was no power. Oh, yeah, security. There was well, no wait, wait, power. There's no emergency lighting in, in the station all like the, that? That's a, well, it was so dim. I mean, it was just barely, it was just essential. I mean, you could see, but you couldn't see really right. well. Well, um, that sucks. They should and, fix that. And, well, well yeah. No, I mean uh, there are should, systems. I'm sorry to interrupt the story. I was just going to sure. say that's that's yeah. a, that's absurd. There's there they brag uh, about how cool was, the station is, uh, and the, the you know there this we have that technology available. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
So, well, it's at Penn Station only became cool again a couple of years ago when they remodeled it. Um, but so we get let off the train and we get kicked out into the streets and there's thousands and thousands of people sure. right there. I mean, because all these other trains that had come in before us and all the people that were going to the station to get on trains because the power, it was the one where the grid all over the Northeast had gone down. And we're hearing all sorts of rumors about you know, cities and flames and this, that, and the other thing. Well, my wife was really sick, and I only had $22 in cash on me and my credit cards because we were taking a train. We were going to jump on a train in New York City to go home to Connecticut in Albany, New York. Our last stop, I had thought about grabbing more cash, but I'm like, we're only going to be in New York City for less than an hour to catch our next train, and then we'll be home. I don't need more money at that point. Never again will I do that, and folks, don't ever do that. If, if anything out of this story, carry some cash always. Keep emergency cash in your house. Keep it on your person, especially when you're going to cities because you never know. So we're there with $22, and we don't know how long it's going to be. My wife is really sick, and I'm trying to get her at one point help uh, at Madison Square Garden to, so she could go inside for a few minutes and, and sit down. And this woman employee was going to do it. She actually had the door open and was going to bring my wife in. And this guy comes up, this long, young punk comes up and says, nope, we can't let anybody in. And my wife was in obvious distress. And uh, the woman tried to talk him out of it, and he said no. He's sucking on popsicles because they were eating up their popsicles from their freezer before mm. they all went bad. And he actually had the nerve to offer me a popsicle. And I told him to go F himself. I don't need a popsicle. I need my wife looked after. It was a long two days, very long two days out on the streets of New York. And we actually scooped up this, the first night, this uh, young girl, 17, 18 year old girl who was on her way to college for the first time. Cause this is in August of 2003. She's scared. You know, it's very few people had cell phones at that point. So she, I kept her with us for the, for the two days until we could get on one of the first trains out of Grand Central. But what I took away from that as those two days of being out on the streets was like, I would have, at that moment, I was like, it changed me forever because I realized that my ethics would have to go out the window. And that's why I talked earlier about situational ethics mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I realized then and there for real, I would do absolutely anything to, for especially for my wife. There is not, you could cross off anything from a checklist of the don'ts I could because I would do anything. They're just, just without a doubt in my mind. And so when I see people criticizing, then after that, Katrina came along a couple of years ago and people were jumping on their high horses about, look at all these people stealing TVs. Well, that's the media too, balls. though. That's the media it's too. The media. Of course it is. And the media is pandering to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. and, and that happens a lot. But you know what? I had friends who were sitting at the bar I was working at at the time. We were, you know, we we're watching it on you know, CNN, MSNBC, whatever those joke stations are. And they're making the same comments. They're yeah. making the comments. And it was really bothersome to me. It's like, you're sitting right now with electricity. You're sitting, you can go home after you're in hanging comfort. out here in comfort, in your warm bed, dry, with food in your belly, obviously with drink in your belly. Mm. And you're criticizing these people for, it's hotter than hell in, in Louisiana, stifling. I've lived down in the South, so it's stifling. They're scared. They're terrified. 
they're going to do whatever it takes to survive. We always like to think that we're so evolved, and in certain ways, I suppose we are. But in the end, all be all, we're still animals, and we will do whatever it takes. And and I'm almost grateful, frankly, that my wife and I got caught up in that situation because it it knocked away the cobwebs for me of what I would and wouldn't do to survive. And so that's that's my little spiel. Well, that was a good lesson, and that's good. Uh, it's a good thing to bear in mind. Of course, you have to balance, you know, walking around with cash in a strange city with the possibility of getting mugged. But I guess then it becomes a question of how much you want to hold on to that money, whether you're going to fight to defend yourself. If a guy's got a gun or something, I don't know. It's a little you're better scary. Off actually, you're better off actually having some cash on you. And, and I've talked to many policemen. Oh, on yeah. This. you got to have something to give them. You're better off having some yeah. cash to give to them because if you don't have anything to give to them, you may be in much more trouble. That's true. That's, that's absolutely true. I've heard that before over here too. Hey, I wanted to mention something about our uh, Kiva group because one of the things I – one of my themes is – uh, okay, that's all well and good, all this theory about uh, making the world a better place, but what actually can some individual do? Because politics are, are very interesting. You can talk about politics like we did last time, and you can talk about democracy, but in fact, in many ways, our hands are tied as individuals. Uh, we try to elect people. They get elected sometimes by a majority. The majority is ignored, as I said last time, so I'm not going to get into that particular rant. Uh, but it's government can't do everything, but there are some efforts that you can take part in that make a huge difference. And you can, you can do this uh, with regard to most countries in the world who need it, including now the United States, by the way. And I'm talking about Kiva.org. And we'd really like you to join our group, uh, which you can find at Kiva, K-I-V-A, dot leave the bot <laughs> leave the bottle podcast dot com uh, kiva dot leave the bottle podcast dot com if you type that in you'll be invited to our group and what is kiva for you loan in units of twenty five dollars to people around the world you can look shop for the loan you can if you go to kiva dot org you'll see you can choose who you loan to you can choose it by country, you can choose by gender, you can choose by the business they're in. And I encourage you to go take a look at that. Uh, the $25 is a loan. It's not deductible because it's not a charity. You get that money back. By the way, I can tell you, I have almost 400 loans out now. Not out still, but I have done that many loans. And my default rate is 1%. So if I put $25 in and kept recirculating it, I would have lost a quarter on the first, you know what I mean? It's There's almost no loss. Uh, you do not get interest because the, the interest is making the world a better place. I just, I encourage people to just think about that. Why would that make a, the world a better place? Why do you care to make, why, why not just make your family richer and eat more, have a good time, and that's a, that, that world's a better place. But you know what? No, because you're still going to have to go out and talk to people and meet them. You may want to travel, go to other countries, and you want the world to be a happier place. Try to spread some of that joy. And in this case, the Kiva idea is just brilliant because you do it it doesn't really cost you anything. You put out those $25 through PayPal, which I have no love for, by the way, but PayPal do does I. all these transactions with no cost, no interest. So you put 25 in, they get 25 
if you want to take that 25 out, you go, yeah, well, this, that was nice, but now I need the 25. You take the 25 back, no interest. <laughs> Read my I'm, lips. I'm, <laughs> no interest. Oh, you can't. You can't see me. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. I, I've been um, – I joined Kiva in 2009. Um, and for – until just very recently, I did it under a pseudonym um, because I was concerned – unwarranted concern, by the way – that doing that was going to set me up to be hounded by – all sorts of charities that may not exactly mm -hmm. really be ethical. So I, I had made that decision in 2009 that I would do Kiva under a pseudonym. I'm changing that now and going back and going to using my real name because I just I, I feel that I was being overprotective of myself. I did the same. Uh, I did exactly the same thing. So for me, if under my real name, it only shows two. So I kind of look like a lame-o that way. But I'm going to – I've done about 70 – um, and I have yet, not one default yet. I mean, knock on wood, I'll probably get a default on my next one, but I'm, I've done about 70 since 2009 and not once. And I mean, I sponsored a man or not sponsored. I, I lent a man in Mongolia, $25 for a bike shop. He was opening a bike shop in Mongolia mm -hmm. and I got repaid in just a couple of months, uh, Women's collectives in uh, Ecuador and women's collectives uh, in Cameroon and um, men in Indonesia. And people always, you know, especially people of a po certain political bend are always bitching about people helping themselves. And I agree if you can. If you can, it's always better if you can help yourself and take care of yourself. But you didn't just come out with the, all the equipment and all the tools to do that. We all have to learn along the way how we can take care of ourselves, how we can take care of our loved ones, how we can take care of our communities. And Tiva and also Heifer International, which I r really like as well, but I use, I've leaned more to Kiva these days for other reasons that we may go into uh, on our next podcast. Um, Kiva gives these people the tools to do it for themselves. And then that guy in Mongolia with a bike shop, he doesn't need me after that, hopefully. Hopefully, he, between me and all the other people who have lent him the $25 each, he's opened his bike shop. He's working now, and he's feeding his family, and he's providing for his family and putting his kids in school. And then down the road, his kids are in school. They become educated. They can do things for themselves. That's the whole idea here. This is not a handout. And I, I've had people come at me before that it's, it's just another form of a handout. It's like, bullshit. It's not. No, they, they do. They do pay the mech, they pay the money back with interest. Yes. We don't get the yes. interest because the interest goes to financial institutions. That's their job. That's what they do. And the interest is not cheap, by the way. But the point is, as you're loaning, uh, you, Jim, and mine, and anyone else who's listening who may want to participate, these loans are what empower. The banks, the banks will not. These people are high risk in a certain way that they're not that interested. This is my, micro lending. A bank right, isn't going right. to micro lend, you know, twenty cents to each person. So the grouping, all of that stuff. Uh, as far as Kiva's expenses, they are funded by donations. So you can donate, and you know they ask you each time you loan. They say, by the way, would you like to give us something? But you don't have to. You can do it at zero, or you can do it once every ten, fifteen loans, which is what I do. 
I just give a little bit more significant amount, but only once in a while. Um, and just finally, I because this has turned into a long commercial for Kiva, but I really believe in it, and so does Jim. I do too. I don't care. I believe in it too. But but in the end, another great thing that you can look at is having your kids or your nephews, nieces, and so on. You give them the Kiva certificate because then you give them twenty five dollars and you let them choose who they're going to loan to. And another nice little thing is if you, by any chance, are, say, from Nicaragua or I don't want to say Mongolia because that's pretty rare probably, but if you're from somewhere and you're now living in um, the U.S. or Canada or someplace and you're doing okay, maybe you don't have family back there, but maybe you have a link with your uh, your heritage and you want to help Nicaragua or you want to help Vietnam or you want I mean, and plus they're in like, at least 60 countries. The, the list actually varies a little because of the agreements that they can get with financial institutions. Uh, I think I've loaned to people in at least 55 countries, at least. And it's, it's just so gratifying to think that most of the time you're actually touching with just a few dollars, you're touching probably sometimes whole communities, but certainly families. You are making a difference in the life of five people. Hey, you know, talk about karma. In my opinion, that is putting something in the bank for me in karma. I feel good about it, and just feeling good about it means something, you know? I agree. You know, I, I, you know, I'm fine with, like, you know, the Save the Children Foundations and things like that. I'm, you know, whatever, if, if that's your bag, okay, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And frankly, if you want to join Randy and I in, in this Kiva, and that's great. If you want to do it on your own, that's great, too. I'm just I'm such a fervent believer in the entire concept. I I my core belief in this world is that we are all citizens of the planet. We have to look out for each other. Yeah. We have to. And and that doesn't mean what some people are going to think that means. It's not. It's give we need to give each other the tools and we need to support giving those tools and not be judgmental and Say, you know what, here, I'm going to lend you this because I'm going to trust that you're going to pay me back. $25 for, for many, many Americans. Not all, because for many Americans, that's a lot of money right now. I totally get that. I understand that and appreciate that. It, it, it is a lot of money for some people out there. Most but, of the people know, in the line at the, at the line in, in a Starbucks, it's probably not that much money. I was just going to, you <laughs> read my mind. You read my mind. A couple I was of coffees. I was going to use Starbucks, and Starbucks takes a beating as the example for everybody nowadays, the last 15, 20 years, the cup of coffee. But you know what? It's true because, number one, it's overpriced, it's bitter, and it tastes like shit, but okay. Uh, but if you like Starbucks, you like Starbucks. Uh, but they do have real sugar. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, their coffee still tastes like it's over, still burnt, shitty coffee. Uh, but the real point being is, is that for many of us, $25, so don't go to the movies once. Just don't go to the movies once. One time. You don't have to do the 25 over and over again. If you know, if money is an issue, just do the 25 once. As it gets repaid, when it gets repaid, you just lend it back out. It's it's beautiful. It's a wonderful and I love your idea, and I'm going to do that for my niece and nephew this week. I'm gonna set them both up. I don't know if their parents will let me set them up with their own Kiva accounts, but they can do it through mine. If yeah, that's, you could. You, know, you could do it that way. You don't have you know, to. If, do if, the, if the they don't want, if they don't want to do it through them, but right. and let them pick and let them pick because I don't care if this sounds like a Kiva commercial because you know what, folks, mm -hmm. we're in this together, 
And it's a good concept. And no one's going to get out alive. So remember to go to. <laughs> it was a great book. A that was bright. one of my favorite. That was one of my favorite rock books of all time. No one here gets out alive. I thought that was. Uh, I thought that was uh, David Niven. No, that's like Mick Jagger or somebody. Who? who no, wrote that? it's about Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison, right? Well, my God, you were there no. back then. Too. Yeah, but you know, you know the expression <laughs> about the sixties. If you remember, if you remember the, it, you weren't there. Exactly. <laughs> Let me just remind you, Kiva, K-I-V-A dot leave the bottle podcast dot com. Obviously, leave the bottle was not available as a dot com. So we have a nice long thing where you have to know how to spell all those words. Leave the bottle dot com with a Kiva dot in front of it. And if you've probably had a little bit too much of the bottle, you may not be able to remember that, but that's okay. That's exactly right. So leave the bottle. I'm going to leave the bottle right now with just a little preview that we're going to be talking about food very soon. And hopefully uh, you will tune in. I, we can't say when it'll be posted, but probably over the weekend. Probably over the weekend. Uh, food and more than just food, but the politics of food. The politics Ooh, of food. The politics of food, because there is a lot of politics of food. It's not just a matter of just, you know, grabbing a ham sandwich or making a peanut butter sandwich or going to a restaurant. You know, there's there's personal and otherwise politics involved. So, you know, we'll have a little we'll have a little chat on that with a special guest. Great. Who I'm I know who I know. <laughs> In the biblical <laughs> like, sense. Yes, who I know in the biblical sense. Yes, all right. Um, we're degrading now, here. Yeah, we ahead. are degrading. Um, Resurrection. I have to say, I gave it another go. I watched the second one. I haven't seen and, it, so no spoilers. Just go ahead. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it. I will say though that it is better than I thought it was going to be. I, it may actually make my starting lineup now. Oh. I'm thinking that it, I'm thinking that it might make my starting nine, and it may be in my lineup now. But if they try ever to say that it's not based directly on the French series, they are full of crap because you know, while there are certain differences, there's too much that's similar. That said, um, but it's based on a book, which the, which the French up. series is based on also. So there you the go. Return. Uh, but they they tried to say that it had nothing to do with well, based the on series. the same book, but I mean, they all do it. Okay. Re really quick. I know you don't watch walking dead, right? I don't, but before you leave Resurrection, I want to know what you like about it, and then I'll say what I like so that I can remember. Um, you know what? I, the funny the thing is, is that, the funny thing is, is I don't like some of the actors on it, but I I do I, I like the general concept of mm -hmm. it. I like the I I think back I think to what would I do if all of a sudden my father knocked on the door? Right. My father my father's been gone since 1978. And if knocking on it, what would I do? You know, whether would I believe, would I not believe, would I just feel like I've absolutely lost my mind? You know, if my wife, who never met him, saw him, she'd be just like, who, yeah, she's seen a few pictures, but she would be like, who is this? But if my mom saw him, you know, so th that whole concept is an interesting concept mm -hmm. to me as far as, as belief, uh, suspension of belief. Um, so I, I like that. I, I, I'm hoping anyways that it goes somewhere. The young lady doctor needs some sandwiches. Somebody feed that girl. <laughs> She's about six foot eight and about 23 pounds. 
And it's like somebody feed her. If if the producers of Resurrection ever hear this, feed her, please. <laughs> she's the she's feed the daughter. She's the daughter of uh, or the no she, the yeah, no the, the daughter, daughter of the sure. aunt who etc. Right, and okay. and her father is the sheriff, and he's he's her a stereotypical. Now her stereotypical. There's already a whole soap opera. You see, I've only seen episode one. So in episode one, they lay it out. By the way, they did a great job of laying out the the schematic and of all the characters. Yeah. Because now that I think of it, I've only seen the one, and yet I know that he's you know it came out that his wife uh, had, was doing something with somebody where she shouldn't have been, and that's why she's dead, and so on. Um, so is that a morality tale because she was cheating on him she deserved to die <laughs> well that's one of the most interesting points is that that throws that up in your face and then you start yeah. thinking about i mean what is television uh if not either escape or morality but not morality like telling you what the morality is but throwing the situation in front of you and asking you so what's your take on this morality i mean you if you watch with your wife for example and and you know it's more fun to watch with somebody isn't it and when you're watching yeah. with somebody you go whoa like we were watching house of cards by the way and in yep. the third from the very last episode i think you haven't caught up and i'm not going to say much no 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 i have three episodes to go on season 2 on season 2 oh well the next one you're going to be blown away i think so they just, mm. they had this, like a, it's like a throwaway scene. It's not a super important scene. But what happens is just out of the blue, it's surprising. Okay. Well, you know, when you did get back to uh, TV shows and to our topic earlier about situational ethics. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like The Walking Dead, in the end, the zombies are really just a filler for situational ethics. What would you do in a world gone mad, in a world gone, uh, fallen apart completely? Are there any limits to what you would do? And that's really what it's really when you boil it down, The Walking Dead, that's what that show is about. What would you do? And with all different scenarios. And so if you look at it that way, it's actually fascinating. My wife couldn't stand it. Uh, she'd hear me in the other room. She'd hear the <laughs> eating brains. Yes. And, yeah, so, and she just, oh, my God, how can you watch that shit at five o'clock in the morning? And it's like, well, because I'm because I'm a sick bastard. <laughs> uh, but now suddenly the last couple of weeks, she's starting to kind of look. I'll see her like she's studying in school. And she's studying and she's like glancing up at the TV and now she's glancing more and more uh, because it's been much less about this season about the, the zombie eating and more, much more about the living people and the situations. And this week uh, threw everybody completely off with a scenario that almost went too far for TV. It, they pushed it because mm -hmm. there's two young, two young sisters, 9, 10, 11 years old. Uh, and the older ones kind of, we don't know if she was broken before this situation happened in the world or, you know, if she became broken because of the situation, but she was broken and she didn't acknowledge that she uh, thought that they were still regular people that just had issues mm -hmm. instead of being, you know, these zombies who want to kill you. Well, she's trying to play with them, trying to play with them and putting everybody, putting the other living people with her in harm's way. And they're trying to figure a way to like really essentially keep her from putting them all at risk. And one day she kills her sister because she wants her sister to turn to the zombie to show them that, see, she's just still regular. It's just she's just different now. It was a very bizarre and she was getting mm -hmm. ready to kill this little infant to do the same thing. Well, 
the adults were like, we can't have her being around other people. She's a, she's a danger to everybody. She can't be around living people. So the shocking part was the, the woman who was her de facto adoptive mother, really, brought her out to a field, told her, look at the flowers, look at the flowers, look at the flowers, bang, killed her. Sounds like Sons of Anarchy every day. I know. Well, yeah, but not when it's a little kid. <laughs> well, and that's it was pretty just, good. Oh, wait a minute. So, hold on, hold on. Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. But it was a situational ethics of the larger. Mm-hmm. If you put somebody in that could be a harm to everybody, what do you do with that one person? Well, break, Breaking Bad was worse, though, as far as the shock. I mean, not as far as the situation. It was worse because it was a result of a crime. I know you remember the scene I'm talking about. There was a little kid. Oh, yes. Actually, there were a couple yes. kids that were killed, horribly yes. killed in that thing. Yes, there was. And it always bothers me. This, for yeah, some it's reason, horrible, though, painful. For some reason, the other day, I, the other night when uh, we were watching it, I was just sitting on the couch, and I was very quiet for a couple minutes afterwards. And I was trying to imagine, in a world gone totally mad like that, if the, your only choice was really it was this person who you could never, ever trust, they're going to end up killing you and everybody else probably at some point. How do you deal with them? It always goes back to the old, you know, when Hitler was an art student, you know, if he had gotten passing grades, you know, would World War II have happened, blah, 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 hmm. blah. Um, but it was still fascinating, but it was stunning. And I, like yesterday, I was talking <laughs> to happened, some coworkers. It, just, it might have happened, but it would be, have been a lot more colorful and, and better designed. <laughs> Well, perhaps. Uh, but, you know, there's been a lot of talk the last two days. Did they push it too far? Because really? it was Because it was children. Because she killed her sister mm-hmm. and then she was killed herself. Because the scene was done in a very real way. I'm sure. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot, you know, I mean, there, there is, there's a lot of television that's getting that way. I was just going to say, and another joke kind of, that uh, what you're talking about, about how, how uh, people act to save everything, it's really kind of the basis of, of something like Under the Dome, which, as we all know, you know, boo, but um, for, for, for many reasons. But, but still, that's the same soap opera basic thing of expose the characters, show the extreme situations, like the guy charging his electrical car at the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Did you really, did you see that? I mean, the, I, you got to go to, here's another plug, folks. Go to tv.com. And I do not hang on websites, any websites, but I'll tell you something. If you watch any TV, just find a show that, you know, any show that you're watching that you like at all or that you hate, either way, go to tv.com and take a look at, there are two things. There's communities and there's critics. The critics, a lot of them, a couple of them anyway, are the work that they do each week on episodes is often better than the TV show itself. Um, but anyway, um, what was I going to say about, um, go to tv.com. We were talking about, you've gotten me hooked on it. You got death. me hooked on there. Oh, I mean, the oh, people are, way. it's really funny. It's like a, it's like a YouTube where people are more polite as far as the comments, yeah. the comments are so all over the place. And you can tell that some of the people actually believe, you know, think it's like real life or something. They're, they're, they're defending. They go, well, you know, so-and-so didn't do this because of, but a lot of it's really, really good too. There's some hilarious comments and, um, it's, I think under the dome, I was maybe what I was thinking of when I was going to say to go look at it. Right. And they were, that was, there was a whole thread about the guy charging his electrical car. That's, that's how that came in. 
hey, you know what show has uh, got picked up uh, by Amazon? It was a show we were both kind of like, eh. Which one? The, the After. Well, it's better than the other couple that I saw, though. They got picked up as well. Oh, that was just, so. So they, let's. Here's they, the conclusion they, of that: they, is that that was bullshit. That was just a joke to get us exactly, all to watch and vote. Clever. Exactly. Four, social four media. shows. Social yeah, media one hundred and one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was just a, a little case of masturbatorial wow. thing for the for the fans. Yeah, because they uh, the let's, after got picked up. Uh, Bosch, transparent, and the one we really love, Mozart. Mozart in the Jungle that's got picked a good, up. Now, that's a good one. I'm glad to hear that. That's a good one. The rest one. of them, uh, you know. Well, Bosch, I, I, I actually, well, I like police procedurals. You don't, so. It's not that I don't. It's that, I, you know, there's 7,000 of them now. And I know. The uh, act, well, that actor's good. One. Yeah. That actor is good. What's his name? Do you remember who I'm talking Who's the main I actor in there? Oh, it doesn't matter. I can't remember. He's one of the tough but guys. But yeah, so I, was, I thought about you when I heard that uh, all That's of those got picked up. Yeah, so they picked all those up, which means that there was only a couple of other ones. Those are the four. And the, and the thing is, is those were all by big people. Yeah. So it was, it was it was all bullshit. This, you know, but they did say ahead of time that it's not only by the fan vote. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the fan vote meant two percent, ninety eight percent. Was you think they're going to say no to Chris Carter from the X Files for the after? That was stacked yeah. right from the get go. And they did mention is it got a huge Bosch got a huge response because the books are so popular. Oh, I didn't know it was a book. Yeah, it's a whole series. It's a big so, series of books. As a matter of fact, a couple of my coworkers love the those the series. Yep. Um, so yeah, so but it was all bullshit in the end. They they, they yeah. were going to take those series no matter what. I think Mozart in the Jungle may have been the wild card mm-hmm. that they may, they may have not thought would you know do well. Well, I'm really glad. Ended up, well, yeah, I'm glad for that too. So this I'm, is 2015, in your opinion, or should I? I'll have to go look it up, I guess. No, if it goes by what they did last year, they did the uh, Amazon last spring mm-hmm. or late winter did the exact same time period, and Alpha House and the other series were all on. I think October. Mm, okay. October, Octoberish. So I hate to wish I mean, for they, October though, you know, because then it could be getting to be fall. I don't want to. Exactly. Oh, I can't wait for October. Yeah, then it'll start snowing after. Yeah, but there's there's plenty of other series <laughs> yeah, up until then. Yeah, I mean, there's we got we got the the right wing love fest coming up. Twenty four, the return of twenty four. Oh yeah. I, and you know what? I love twenty four. I know that it's you know I know that it's a big talk about masturbatorial. You know that's that's like the right wing. You know, mm. I didn't really realize fantasy that fantasy going, but because uh, I didn't watch Flash, the original. You didn't. Oh, my God. No, but I'll tell you a funny story before we go, because I do need to run. But before we go, here's a funny story. My wife had Kiefer Sutherland in her class in kindergarten. Are you kidding me? Well, not kindergarten, but he was a little kid. Probably no six, seven years old. Yeah, it was in the uh, the high school. They call it a high school, but it's for kid, little kids. Yeah. he. Well, he's not that old. He's mid late forties, probably. Yeah, he's like he's like. Well, that was in nineteen dot dot dot. I don't know. Ah, it's just funny. So was, this, was this in L.A.? Yeah, L.A. You know, you know, his grandfather created the uh, national healthcare system in Canada. I didn't. A Sutherland yes. was yes. he? Yeah. Yes. No. No. He was uh, the mother. He was oh, on the, okay. his mother's Other side. side. Um, yeah. Uh, his cr- grandfather, Tommy, I can't remember the name now, uh, was the creator of the national healthcare system. He's That's loved in. He's loved by most, hated by a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a little, little, a little uh, trivia there for That's Keith or Sutherland fans. 
So um, come and see us at leavethebottlepodcast.com or get us on Stitcher or iTunes. iTunes is the biggest podcast subscription platform by far, by the way. So we're on iTunes. You know what I've, I've fallen in love with very quickly is uh, is Pocket Cast on Android. Um, I'm using that actually much more than Stitcher at this mm-hmm. point. I still use Stitcher, but po- uh, Pocket Cast, and I can just take it from my phone and with my Google Chromecast, boom, I can hit it, to, hit it right to my TV that's connected to my stereo, and I can play my podcasts right through my sound system. It's awesome. So that's my recommend this week is uh, the app. It's three ninety nine. But you know what? That's a cup of coffee of that burnt, crappy shit. That's no. Don't spend three ninety nine. Save up and get twenty five dollars and go to kiva.leavethebottlepodcast.com. <laughs> Goodbye. We'll be talking Goodbye. food, some serious morality issues, and food. Food is politics. See you next time. All right, later, folks.